You're listening to Episode 7 of Fed Talks with Jimmy Chrisman. Fed Talks is a podcast for theater teachers and theater education students. I'm Dr. Jimmy Chrisman, theater education professor at Illinois State University. Each week I want to bring you stories and interviews from experienced K-12 theater teachers, current theater education majors, and professors of theater education that will warm your heart, renew your faith in teaching, and provide resources to better your practice in your theater classroom. Welcome to this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. I'm really excited to bring you this episode. Um, It's my first one where I'm interviewing one of my students. So you're going to get a a perspective of of what a theater ed major uh, is going through and what they do. And uh, hopefully they will uh, provide some perspective for those of you theater ed majors out there who are are listening and and gearing up for exams or finishing exams and, and embarking on either your first year of teaching or continued studies in theater education. So thank you all for listening. If you are interested in being on the show, we do have some great guests coming up and I'm also looking for, uh, for people to be interviewed for next season. When the school year starts back, we'll probably take a couple of months off in the summer uh, as teachers so we can enjoy our time off, but we do have some great episodes coming up, but I'm always looking for interesting guests and people who want to talk about what they love most in teaching theater. So please reach out to me on email at fedtalkspodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at Theater Ed Talks, on Tumblr, fedtalks.tumblr.com. You can find us on Facebook at Fed Talks, Instagram at Fed Talks Podcast, and of course our website, www.fedtalks.com, where we have our show archives and transcripts, as well as the resource lists from each of our guests, so that you can quick reference those. Again, thank you for joining us. Um, really looking forward to you hearing my conversation with Jack Colombo, one of my students at Illinois State University. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Jack. Well, I'm excited to welcome this week Jack Colombo to Fed Talks. Jack is one of my theater ed students at Illinois State. So Jack, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell everyone a little bit about you and kind of what brought you... What, how your journey brought you to studying theater at ISU. Uh, yes, hello. Um, as Jimmy stated, my name is Jack. And I am a junior theater education major in his program, as well as a, um, a minor in English. I have been involved in the theater arts since I was six years old. I saw my cousin Catherine in Peter Pan. She was playing Peter Pan. And um, she... I, I, I just remember watching that performance and seeing her like fly in a system and going oh my i i want to do this like this is something that i could do and it just kind of progressed in that way but i didn't i didn't primarily like work in theater when i was younger i was primarily a tap dancer for eight or so years and i i took a lot of classes um through a small studio in my hometown and at the um the um, Old Town School of Folk Music in downtown Chicago. Um, but as soon as high school came around, all my focus came in on theater, and I just started kind of realizing, like, hey, this is something that I want to do, but I don't know what I want to do with it. And then I realized I had um, I had a, um, I had a passion for working with kids because I had worked at a local arboretum nearby my house as, um, as kind of like a naturalist... Um, guide that would help kids through activities to help them learn about nature. Um, 
And then I worked at a summer camp that was about an hour north of Milwaukee for four years. Two of those years, I directed their theater program there. Um, and I just fell in love with working with kids, um, and especially working with kids in theater. And I only visited one school when it came to looking for colleges, and that was Illinois State. And I think one of the first questions I asked the tour guides was, hey, is this an education school? And they said, uh, this, this school was founded to be an education school. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I guess this is the right spot. Um, initially, I had applied to ISU to be a history education major because my mom like was really big on history and teaching me and my brother that. And I, I just kind of changed my mind. I was like, nah, theater's what I want to do. That's what I want my focus to be. And um, I decided not to go to Illinois State, and I went to College of DuPage, which is um, a community college nearby my my hometown. And I went there for two years, still decided that this was my best place. And, um, yeah, this past year was just uh, working through your Fed courses and working through um, this theater department and being involved in a ton of plays and... Um, that brings me right here, sitting in your office. <laughs> yeah, so there's a couple things I want to hit on. First is, talk to me a little bit about how you, how that um, community college experience prepped you for what you're doing now. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I I know going straight into a university or college is not what every high school senior should be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and sometimes they're taking years off. Sometimes they're going into the military. Sometimes it's it's staying and saving some money doing community college. Yeah. Um, and then transferring in somewhere where you can really focus on what you're doing. So talk to me a little bit about that experience. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. If I would have came to Illinois State University as a high school student, I think I would have failed out because <laughs> I was such a horrible student in high school. I, uh, But, you know, getting getting to community college, it's a completely different atmosphere because it's not as social. It, it feels like a lot of students at community college are there just to, like, go and be there. Like, they go in there. They don't try to make relationships. Um, I made a lot of great relationships through community college in their theater department. But when it came to the rest of my classes, it felt like I was just looking around at a sea of people who I didn't know. But that did help me because I wouldn't have I didn't have the distraction of having all those people so I was able to get my assign all my assignments done in a timely manner and I was able to be more competent and learn how to how to build up a work ethic that's needed when you're coming into a university and so coming in here like of course I, I gained a ton of friends like pretty instantly I think I was I I mean what when it comes to me I try to get involved as possible like as soon as I can because if you don't, you don't meet as much people. The opportunities start to slip away, um, and you just meet a lot less people. And so, coming coming out straight out of community college, I, I, I kind of learned how to just be involved. That's uh, what I think it was the most important part of being a community college student and then coming into a university. And their theater department at um, at College of DuPage is really, really great. They have a um, they have a professional theater company that's based out of Community College called Buffalo Theater Ensemble, and they have um, an educational shadowing program through there where I was able to um, shadow an equity actor during a show during their entire rehearsal process. I think I learned more about professionalism in the acting world through that shadowing program than I have through all of my classes and experiences. Because my 
my um, my acting and directing experiences are primarily in the educational setting with a few community theater um, shows sprinkled in there. So it was it was really nice to learn what it what it takes to to be a professional actor and to to work in um, work in that kind of a setting. What, um, cause I know you, you've been, like you said, you've been very active since you, you got on campus mm-hmm. here. I know I've directed you in a show. I mm-hmm. know you were in a main stage show in the spring where in both shows you showcase your tapping. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I, I know you, you, you've been involved in many other groups on campus. So talk to me about what that was like getting involved and, and putting yourself out there. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know that I met with you the spring semester before I came here, for some scholarship thing, I think, but um, that was nice to just get a feel of what classes are like here and how everything works. And you yeah, said, you, you did. You came to one of my classes that day too. Right? Yeah, I did. Yeah. That was your theater for social change class. Right. That was that was really cool. I'm I'm really excited to take that class next year, <laughs> actually. Um, and yeah, I think first day I auditioned for um, Godspell, which Jimmy directed, and it was just kind of like getting into a room with I think it was like 24, 25, 26 other people that I had no knowledge of before no prior experience and I was like you know what I'm just gonna I'm just gonna show them what I got you know I'm just gonna sit down here and I was um I was lucky enough to be cast I I was sitting th- all throughout callbacks like oh my god like any any of these people like could easily be cast everyone's just so talented here that, that was my first impression of ISU is everyone's so talented um, but I was lucky enough to be cast, and then I was involved in an acapella commu- uh, an acapella group here um, called On the Brink of Normal, and I sang bass for a semester with another one of your students, Wesley Skim, and that was that was really fantastic. But I, I had to quit that in the spring semester because I was involved in um, the Light in the Piazza, um, and then I also worked in practicum in. Um, I, I worked as um, in run crew for An Enemy of the People, which, like, right off the bat, that's, like, two shows in the semester. And then I also did a um, a short film as well that semester called A Town on Willow Burrow. Um, that was all just... That, that first semester was just busy, 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 like, going from one place to another, also dealing with uh, Teach 212 and having to do um, observations early in the morning. So... I, I was able to handle it because I'm able to, because of my experience as a camp counselor, um, I feel like I can wake up very early and then go to bed very late because I'm used to dealing with kids 24 hours a day. I, I don't know if that stream of thought make, made sense, but I, I'm, I'm used to that workload. But coming in the spring, I, coming into the spring semester, I was able to just kind of sit back and reflect for a moment. Um, I decided not to audition for free stage which is a student-run production company here um and instead i actually light designed my first show ever which was a green river and then i did light in the piazza earlier which was a really a fantastic process i think i only had one line in english in that show i I played giuseppe naccarelli who was just this flamboyant um (laughs) flamboyant um how do i put this he was very promiscuous, um, and he, yeah, that was that was a fun introduction to the main stages here. Um, 
Oh, I'm completely missing iStop. Yeah, um, the Illinois State Theater Outreach Program here at campus was... I, I was involved in that, like, the first day that uh, the first day of meetings and throughout the semester I just started getting more and more involved and eventually a board position opened up starting last fall and I was like I can do this um which was a treasurer position and myself and um, another student Josie um took on that position for the spring semester elections rolled around again in the spring semester and I was lucky enough to be elected treasurer again um so it's it's been a lot there are a lot of things to do here and um, I'm just so glad uh, glad that I was able to do that. Um, honestly, I just showed up and asked, and I got a lot of opportunities just by showing up and saying, "Hey, what can I do?" Um, which which brings me to what I'm doing in this next fall, which I'll be assistant directing Yellow Inn. Which that show is actually super cool because it's um, it's the North American premiere. Another professor here, uh, Kiyu Nam, had translated it, and then um, Jason Jong is going to be directing that. They're they are both Korean, and this is a Korean show, and it's a very it's a very it, it's a dark comedy, and it's it's just going to be really cool. But yeah, that's that's where it. That's where I leave off, and that's where um, all my experiences lead to have led me to throughout ISU. When it comes to acting, particularly, I haven't. Uh, aside from my, aside from the educational courses that I've taken, I haven't had too many educational experiences. But I feel like I've learned a lot still. What has been your greatest challenge um, since you started here back in the fall and? You were kind of thrown in headfirst into the deep end, mm-hmm. um, especially with my classes. Yeah. Um, and because uh, transfers are always a, a unique situation and and trying to catch you up but keep you afloat at the same time can be mm-hmm. a challenge. And so talk to me a little bit about for you, from your perspective, what has been your biggest challenge um, since since starting as I've a had, Fed major? Yeah, I've had two um two personal problems i wouldn't say anything with um because i mean your your classes are tough um there there are a lot of different assignments and a lot of readings and you make us go out and do different um different observations at a whole bunch of different places such as um such as with seedling theater here and at at a middle school i know that our certification is only uh nine through twelve but i'd say firstly one of my biggest issues is comparing myself to other people um because there are a lot of i i mean the first day that i was here like i noticed the sheer talent that was here and there are a lot of other different fed students who are just doing so much and have been and i felt like coming in as a transfer that i've been missing out on those two years that i could have worked with such great programs and such great people and now I feel myself comparing myself to other people because they they were here for longer because I went to, to community college and is my acting as superb as other people which I know is I, I try to stay away from that mindset but it, it's it's always kind of there where it, it's, it's like I, I feel like I'm comparing myself too often why do you think that is? That's a good question. I just, 
Because I don't do that. And I talked to you all in class yesterday about that. Yeah. That, that I, I, everyone compares themselves to the, to the next, the next better person that they think um, is above them. The freshman to a sophomore, sophomore to a senior, senior to their teacher and on and on and on. We're all constantly comparing ourselves. But I, I, I wanted to make the point yesterday to your, to your class specifically that I don't do that, mm-hmm. that I think it's, I think it's really cool when I watch you all do something that I wouldn't have done Yeah, and you do it well. And I learn from that experience. Sure. Um, and then you learn from each other. Mm-hmm. And, and like I said, I want, I think the greatest compliment for me five, 10 years down the road is when you email me and say, Hey, this teacher came to me because they thought how I teach this unit is really cool. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was part of what I do, but Hey, that's cool. For me, that is the biggest compliment. And, and to find your unique voice and to be your authentic self in your classroom um, is so important, not just for your own personal sanity, um, but for the connection with your students as well. Because if, if you're putting on an act and you're trying to be someone else, they're going to see through that. Mm-hmm. And I, I, from my own personal experience, I tried so hard uh, my first year of teaching to be my cooperating teacher for my student teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, I've interviewed Barbara on, right. on the podcast. And Barbara and I are two completely different individuals. We have completely different demeanors, um, different ways of interacting with students that are effective. Um, and me trying to be Barbara did not work for me. Yeah. I, I think for me, it's, um, it's a strive to be the best kind of a thing where I, I just want to do so much and just be known as that person who is superior and re- reliable. I, I know that sounds a little bit pretentious, but I feel like that's, that's what my feeling about it has been. But I feel myself transitioning more towards your mindset where it is a, instead of trying to be the best, why can't I be my own best where I, I just need to work on myself as opposed to all the other kids that are in class with me. That's what I've been trying to specifically work on with my own mindset as opposed to trying to adopt the mindset of my own classmates. Because I I see myself as, I don't know, different from other theater majors because it's like... Theater is, like, what I like to do, but it isn't me, almost. Where it's it's something that I really do enjoy, and it's the love of my life. But it's not who I like to, like, define myself as, almost. Because mm-hmm. I know a lot of people are, like, constantly singing along to Hamilton or Wicked or all that. I'm just like, can we just listen to some indie music or something? Can I, can I get a little break from that? Um, but, I mean, I that's what I really want to focus on in my next two years here is just being my best me. Because, mm-hmm. I, I mean, you you are absolutely correct in the comparisons. It, it, it can get a little bit toxic, and that's what I was feeling in my first semester. But it, it's just something that I'll, I'll work towards. I think we're always yeah. constantly working towards that. Absolutely. Um, I, one of my favorite stories from... Um, when I was when I was teaching, um, I had two students, um, and I'll, I'll I'll mention their names because I'm not saying anything bad about them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had a student named Jonathan Hoskins, who um, everyone viewed as this powerhouse in our department. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a fantastic performer, 
he was a great teacher. I still think he should have been a teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he was there was just some natural talent, and he also listened to feedback, and he he took every opportunity to grow. Um, so he was a powerhouse in our department, and then he graduated, and in the very next year, um, a new student came in who was pretty a pretty strong powerhouse already in the community. Um, but he, he came to our program. His name was Justin Norwood. And um, for those the next four years, Justin was a powerhouse. Uh, he went on to win a Jimmy, not a Jimmy, a Bloomy, and performed at the, the Jimmy competition. Um, he's graduating next this month in Elon. Good God, he's graduating. That's, that's scary. Wow. <laughs> um, but um, Justin's first year there, he, w- he already had a pretty strong reputation of being a strong performer and strong theater artist. And he, he went to chorus class on the first day of school and um the chorus teacher said oh so you, are you the next jonathan hoskins and he said no i'm the first justin norwood <laughs> and that has always resonated with me and it's it's always been at the back of my mind and, and lately especially as we've been talking in class and as i've been talking to to teachers on this podcast that it, it you got to be the first you and and Pay homage to those people who have inspired you and have mentored you and have given you tools, but be the first you. I, I think that's just that's extremely important. What have been the, the the biggest joys that you've had so far in your in your journey to being a theater teacher? Yeah, that would be working working at camp and being able to get that first experience um, with working with kids. Um, for context, my my program there was five one-hour sessions with kids ages 6 through 16. Um, what I'd do is I'd teach them the very basics of theater and just be like, this is how you speak on stage. This is, how, this is what stage directions are. So I'd slowly build up to the rehearsal process so that within a span of two days, they were able to... Sh- um, to do this five to ten minute skit at the closing campfire for that week. Um, Earlier on in the week, I'd say, hey, you guys pick what you want to do for this show. I'll write it, and you guys put it on. And they... uh, Sometimes it was original. Sometimes it was like, oh, what's winter like at camp? And I was like, let's do that. And sometimes it's like, let's do a Harry Potter remake. Okay. Um, And that, that was tough just... Because I had no experience with playwriting before that, and I know the person that was before uh, that had came before me, um, who is now an actor in Chicago, um, he he was really fantastic with it, and I was like, I don't know what to do, but um, I, I still learned a lot, and it was it was a great bare bones little thing, but at the same time, I was able to watch the shyest eight year old just come on stage and deliver like deliver a couple of lines where at the beginning of the week they could barely introduce themselves to me and now they're in front of 400 other campers doing a scene and that was it was really rewarding and like and that just being in charge of that theater program is one of the thing one of the main reasons why I want to like go out and teach theater in a high school setting because I I see the the good and the improvement and in those students. I mean, coming here was the first time I had experienced how to actually teach because I had taken one education course in my community college, but it was like, 
general K through 12. Mm -hmm. And they briefly touched on Bloom's taxonomy, briefly touched on how to write a lesson plan where like with your class specifically, it was the first time where I learned, Oh, this is what a lesson plan is. How do I write it? Oh, wait, what are standards? Oh, this is how, and I mean that, that kind of a thing for me was easy to pick up on, but it was a challenge to, put those thoughts and ideas in and, you know, see the goal executed. I think with our most recent lessons, which were our diversity lessons, mm -hmm. I had, um, I mean, you, you know, I had a lot of issues with get, uh, getting that lesson to really come with fruition. I was super worried about it because um, what myself and Abby Steinhaus had, um, had thought about was putting gender reorientation into a lesson and so what we had tried to do was um compare to shakespeare because there is a lot of conversations about gender that you can do with shakespeare and so we had decided to hand out these sides and then have them rehearse and then have a discussion afterwards but i i mean my main concern for that in particular was just how to control a rehearsal room mm -hmm. and how do I supervise? Am I doing enough? And I, and all honestly, I shouldn't have been worried about it because I think it went fine and I learned what I needed to learn about how to teach the lesson better for next time. Um, and so I, I've been having a lot of challenges fighting against myself. It's like I'm finding that I'm my own worst enemy in some, in some cases, specifically with writing lesson plans. And then I also have just a, a huge problem staying focused in classes too, where it's just like, I'll, I'll sit there for five minutes and think, and it's the same thing occasionally with my lessons where I'll just like space out and forget. And that was, that was a problem because I totally forgot about one student in that class and who was just sitting off on the side. I think it was, I think it was Dylan Dewitt mm -hmm. who I had completely forgotten about. <laughs> and I just remember reading over your notes for that. And it was like, Dylan, and then an ellipses followed that. <laughs> and I was like, oh no. <laughs> I, I, so I, I mean, I've been working against my concentration, myself. Um, but I think with, uh, I think with m myself what i need to work on is just confidence <laughs> yeah and i mean in the experiences you're getting so far i mean the 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 couple of things that you have taught in class and the observations you've done and the experiences at seedling which which is a, a special needs theater we have in town um i think all of those i mean i'm thinking back to your very first day and to where we are now at the end of this semester and and how much that confidence has grown mm -hmm. and how much um how much that skill has been sharpened since mm -hmm. you've been here. Um, and from where you were when you first taught a, a warm-up game to where we are now and you were partner teaching for 25 minutes with the diversity lesson mm -hmm. and the complexity of that assignment mm -hmm. of, of infusing lenses of diversity into what we already do as theater teachers instead of making it a one-off. Um, I think you've risen to the challenge. You've, you've worked hard. You've... Mm -hmm. Again, you were you were thrown into the deep end head first, and you've you you swam. You you've you've done what you needed to do, and I I think I think that's just going to keep growing, and I can't wait to see that. Yeah. Over the next couple of years, yeah. I'm excited to take um, two sixteen specifically in the fall, just so I can you know 
learn how to deliver a unit too. Mm -hmm. And I know with 285, everyone's talking about, ah, curriculum map. Oh no. Um, which like I, I know is hard, but that's also exciting. There's, there's something another student says uh, or has said at the beginning of each semester that has really resonated with me. It's, um, don't be, don't be discouraged by what you have to do. Think about, uh, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Um, think about what you're. Uh, think about it as, oh, I get to do this, and then move forward with that mindset of, oh, there's just a bunch of cool different things. Because I mean, what what you give to us is, uh, I I think you're the first professor who has shown me like diversity is very important like the you, like this past semester was all about diversity in the classroom and the books that that you had given us i find to be it, i find to be the first time where i'm critically thinking about oh what if i do have someone who has cerebral palsy in my class how am i going to do any sort of like warm-up games or for example ships and sailors like how how are they going to be involved in that and um you, you've really gotten us to critically think about what we need to do in order to accomplish our goals as teachers which i think is really important since we're legally bound to help students with ieps and 504s which you know i i'm very i'm very grateful so far for everything that you have shown me in in your classes because it, it, it is completely different and you take it very very seriously as well um well it's just it's important yeah and those <laughs> those those bodies and and like lee marshall said last the other week on my podcast that those beady little eyes looking at you when they come in the room they they need to know their value too yeah and i mean i'm i'm standing up there this this big white man in front of a group of high schoolers and when i taught in um urban charlotte and rock hill and and you know I, half my class were were black students and then i did have some um latino students and and students who were esl and i did have a, cere a student with cere cerebral palsy and and finding a way to harness what they have to offer and bringing that together as an ensemble in that classroom it's a really special privilege and obligation that we have as teachers yeah it's so i, I do take that very seriously mm -hmm. yeah so then how do you how have you in because i think you've taught for 17 years yeah mm -hmm. um how have you accomplished those because i know that you have poised that question to us as student as theater education students about how would we but how I, I'm curious to know how would you accompli accomplish goals of working with students with cerebral palsy um, and then covering topics such as race, gender orientation, sexual orientation, and other um, other topics? Um, I think, and, and you're going to hear this probably all of your education courses and, and all the edgy speak that's out there right now, is it's it, and it, but it's true, is because it boils down to the relationships that you form with the students. Um, if you greeting them every day when they come in your room, knowing their names, um, asking how their day is going, what, what are they looking forward to on the weekend? Those seem like silly, trivial things, but to some of those kids, you're the only person that asks that. Yeah. And, and that, that's, that was how I, I, th I think 
I was able to form such strong, healthy relationships with all my students, the, 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 the white boys who were, were the, went hunting on the weekends that I had nothing in common with that. I, I've never held a gun in my life, you know, but, but asking them how that went, Oh, did you get that buck you were hoping to get? And just knowing that I was interested in what they're doing, knowing, um, I think to Shanasia, um, when I, when I taught her at, at my last school that she, she was, she was looked, she was viewed as this really rough young woman in our, in our building. She was a, a black woman. Um, she had a, a, a tough, a tough life outside of the school building. Um, mm-hmm. and a lot of that followed her into the school building. Um, and I had her in my intro class and I was able to find a way just to, to, to joke with her, um, compliment her when she had her hair done. Um, Shanesha, I really like that shirt you're wearing today. That's really pretty. Um, and just seeing them light up that you paid attention to them. Mm-hmm. And I mean, she went on to take my acting class. She went on to take my playwriting class. She went on to take my tech class. And I was, I put her up on stage. She was in a show and system principals came and were like, how did you get that out of her? How did you get her to sit still long enough to do this 45 minute show? I'm like she just did it. She knew that was the expectation and she wanted to do it. I made her feel successful. Um, is she going to win a Tony this year? Absolutely not. Um, but, but I'm, it's my hope that those experiences and that, and that relationship formed with her will go on beyond her graduation and beyond me leaving South point. Um, but, but then again, not being, I think it's also important to not be afraid to, um, let those students be seen in the work that you're doing. Um, not just reading the, the dead white men mm-hmm. playwrights, yeah. not just, not just incorporating poetry or literature that is, that is not representative of who's in your room. Um, I think, I think it's important to, to, I think that representation is extremely important. Mm-hmm. Um, now and, and it depends on where you are, um, in the country. Um, I was in a, an extremely, um, conservative area before I moved up here. So the types of the types of issues and plays that I could produce were limited, mm-hmm. but it didn't mean I couldn't teach and talk about them in my class. Um, so when it came to talking about the LGBT students, uh, I, that representation of me just simply acknowledging, I see you. Mm-hmm. You, you, you are valued in this room. Absolutely. Um, I had on my door um, that we were a safe zone in my classroom. Um, and it wasn't just for LGBTQ. It was for students with disabilities. It was for students who were gifted, students who didn't want to be there, mm-hmm. students who did want to be there, that there's value in every single body that comes in that room. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think when kids see that, they, that diversity is naturally celebrated in what you do. And it's like what I tell you all, just constantly embedding it as part of what you naturally do in the culture of your classroom. That's so, so important. Absolutely. When I, when I worked as a camp counselor, I think my biggest issue was memorizing names. Mm-hmm. That, that is such a huge problem. It always has been. Um, man, I think, I think I called Cody. Uh, I had learned his name five minutes before and we were in the audition room and I think I called him Greg or something. And, and he was like, 
I, I had said, like, Greg several times, and he was like, my name's Cody. And I was like, oh, no. And that <laughs> that was also an issue when I was a camp counselor. I, I struggled to learn everyone's names, in, even in my theater program, even in my section. And that's, that's something that I'll be working on as soon as I get um, a class that I'm working with consistently is, like, what are their names, what, what are their... What what is their deal with life? How can I help them? That's um, that's something I completely agree with you on, and I, I completely understand. Um, so I I'm curious to know from you um, about your methods classes that you took in college, because I know that I I know about all uh, all of what you were teaching me, uh, but I I want to know about what differentiations you see in the classes that you teach and your curriculum with the curriculum that you had to go through when you were um, like a twenty year old college student trying to become a theater educator. You're making me think way back, Jack. Um, <laughs> Good. <laughs> um, what were they like? We. Um... The first class we had to take was creative drama. Okay. Um, and because my certification was uh, K through 12. Wow. Uh, it wasn't just, wasn't just 9 through 12 like you all are working on right now. Mine mm-hmm. was kindergarten through high school. Um, so we, we worked with students of all the grade levels, not just observing, but like physically working with them. Um, in creative drama, we learned uh, the drama games and Viola Spolin and Dorothy Heathcote. Um, and then... We did we did some peer teaching and leading in that class, mm-hmm. and it was just a natural progression, scaffolding and building like what what we're doing here with starting with a ten minute warm up mm-hmm. or a game, and then we're gradually increasing what you're doing, whether partner teaching or solo teaching, and building those skills so that you're ready to go when you work with students. But mm-hmm. I we also had um, good gosh, what did we have? Um, we had to teach in an elementary after school program. Uh, where we taught some creative drama lessons uh, with thematic units. Um, and then we had to teach in a middle school um, in their after-school program, which that was, um, and I, I can't wait to talk to Matt Webster and see if he even remembers this, but my my Jimmy Christman at, at UNC Charlotte, um, Matt Webster, we had to prepare these lessons. And my lesson was on African storytelling. Uh, and it was a beautiful lesson that I had ready. And then I think I, I may have talked about it before, um, but it was uh, I got up there to teach and a kid raised his hand first thing and, and said, um, are you going to talk about Pokemon today? Because if you're not, I'm not listening. And that's when my <laughs> professor was like, oh, he just laughed, threw his hands up and walked out of the room and left me to fend for myself. So oh, we got through the lesson. It was <laughs> fine. But we, we we did a lot of a lot of teaching, um, a lot of um, in the schools observing. Um, I was a, I was in a a program in North Carolina called Teaching Fellows, which uh, was a scholarship program, but it was uh, an intense program um, where we we met weekly um, as a cohort through all four years mm-hmm. um, through student teaching, um, and we were all over all the disciplines. Um, and then in the summers, we had experiences we had to do that took us into really, really, really rural school districts, and where there was one school in the whole district, and. Wow. So, I mean, we had all kinds of really neat experiences to help us see where we might like to be and what, what things resonated with us and, and where we wanted to teach. But then my methods, my methods classes, um, 
I mean, it was it was lesson plan writing. It was paper writing. It was a lot of similar things that you all are doing. Um, I think the biggest difference now that I'm seeing is um, that technology is such a bigger thing than it was then. I mean, when I, I my senior year of high school, and this is really going to make me feel really old when I say this, but I mean, we literally just got the internet. Dang. So, I mean, learning to use email on campus and um, AOL chat rooms was a thing. And, you know, I mean, those were high technology at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And then websites being developed. And, I mean, so where it is now is if you don't check your email, you're screwed. You know? (laughs) Um, And and it's on our phones now. We have little computers that we carry around in our back pockets. And, you know, those students who had a, a laptop at that time, those were very wealthy students in the school and now it's required to have one to take notes in class. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I mean it I think technology is a big thing now and and those of us who we grew up with technology but then we're also learning it as we're going versus you who are native with it um learning how to make that a part of what we're doing in our classrooms because it's it's very difficult to fight your students on that. Mm-hmm. And and I think it's important to find ways to harness that and use those powers for good. Yeah. And I see um cuz the, the climate from when I was in high school to when I'm doing observations now when it comes to technology is completely different. Because when when I was a senior in high school, that was the first year that they had statewide or school-wide, like, you have to have an iPad. Um, and which is, like, I, I would say that I grew up in in a wealthier community, so I find myself very lucky to have had that outlet. And... But at the same time, in those classes, they were like, no cell phones. If we see a cell phone, we're taking it. Like, you go down to the office. And now when I have been coming in and observing normal West High School and Bloomington High School, it's like the kids are, like, Snapchatting each other in the middle of the class. Like, the like the teacher um, that I... An English teacher that I observed was, like, showing a movie about um, about the hero's journey. And then like she i think she was going to show everyone like iron man to show everyone like oh like this is still seen nowadays and while while that movie was playing like all the kids were like on their phones and i was like what's going on (laughs) and i i was talking to another cooperating teacher and he was like yeah you know um we can't really stop them it's their it's just like a completely different mindset whereas you know we're we're allowing you to do this but if you decide to not put in the work, then you're done for where it was super strict back when I was in high school where it was like no tolerance of this. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a particular um, observation that I remember seeing the old ideals and the new ideals clash where it was, um, I was going in for a teaching observation and my cooperating teacher wasn't there. And instead it was a substitute and the substitute was an older gentleman. I'd say he was in his 60s. And it, he was coming into the class where everyone, like, had their phones out. And he was like, no, I'll take your phone. And it was, I, I think it was a 25-minute struggle of him just shouting at the kids and being like, give me your phones, give me your phones, and all of that. Which, <laughs> it's just such a such an interesting problem nowadays but yeah getting getting the students to focus is another issue and i see a lot of different 
schools attempting to control that, but do they even want to control it? Is the is it even that big of a problem as as they see? That's something that some questions that I'm trying to to pose when I'm thinking about how I want to teach my classes in the future. Well, I think it's I mean it, and I mean like you said that it was that 25 minute battle for that sub. And that's 25 minutes of instruction that you've lost. Yeah. You know, not that not that subs give the greatest instruction, but what if that was you? That's 25 minutes of a 45 50 minute class period that you've lost. Mm-hmm. Because you're fighting a battle that you're probably not going to win. Mm-hmm. Um so I think it's important to find that balance finding Picking and choosing those battles, um, uh, you know, um, what are we? How are we teaching the kids to use those things responsibly? What what? Are, when is it appropriate to use them? Are we teaching them those skills as well? Mm-hmm. And then, why are we as teachers fighting it? Why are, why are we not finding ways to use it with what we're doing? They can they can film each other doing monologues and then do self critiques. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can. You can film parts of a you know plot structure with having them do a film of of a storyboard that they've written of a of a story, and you're still having them create characters. You're having them create a plot. You're having them act it out. Mm-hmm. Um, you're you're teaching them how to edit. You know, not not editing with the the technology, but editing their work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I mean, I think there are, there are ways that we have to start being smarter instead of starting instead of working harder to keep it from happening. It, it's inevitable. It's where we are now. Right. Um, I, yeah, I know yeah. this is kind of an aside, but I did see kind of technology in the theater classroom being used. My brother showed me um, his first ever duet scene that uh, he's currently a senior. Uh, he's going to be graduating in May. Yay. Um, and he, he showed, like, the, the fact that he was able to film it and then show it to me is just wild in my, in my comprehension and that I was able to, you know, share in that. That was... That was re- really neat. Um, I I know that I told you how absolutely how, how much I absolutely loved um, like being in that middle school classroom that I was just um, I was just observing because they they did something cool. I mean, it it wasn't a theater classroom; it was a science classroom. But a couple of cool things that I saw in there was it was taught bilingually, and. Um, where it was it was spanish and english and the teacher would teach part of the lesson in english and part in spanish because there was such a high amount of students who were bilingual and there was there was one case where i think it was a kid from it was a student from guatemala who didn't know how to speak english and so it was it was really critical for him to be in this curriculum where he was able to successfully go along with the assignments and successfully follow along with um, with the teacher. And I also saw a lot of great um, great things through her teaching of the classroom and her teaching of soft skills and of character work. Where I, the first man, it it was I, I I remember getting up at six in the morning. I was just dead tired. Um, I think it was up until midnight that past night writing a paper and I was like, okay, go into observations, whatever. And then I get to her class and the first thing she does is she makes everyone circle up and she was passing around a ball. And I believe the activity was if you have the ball, you tell one other person in the room, you, you compliment one other person in the room Mm -hmm. and it just went around and everyone was just so nice to each other. And, 
the fact that she had done enough work in her class to get those students to the point where it was a community and it was a positive and a loving community that really like struck a chord with me and that it was also possible with middle school students and that um that's something i really would love to look into doing more is um going into the in going more in depth with middle schoolers because i i I think it's it's crucially important to have students who are involved in the arts and to, uh, and to get them more involved when they're younger because if you if you spark their interest when they're younger you get more competent and, and more loving and passionate individuals um what one of one of the people that i grew up with and one of my neighbors his um his name was andrew he did he did a couple shows with me in elementary school but completely quit out of it come middle school and then all of a sudden in high school he was in one show and he 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 was never in any any other shows but he kept coming back and he kept watching and experiencing and being a part of theater because he had enjoyed it from such a young age and if if we're able to do that and if we're able to get students involved when they're younger then they they'll love it more when they're older um, I think there are a couple of things that uh, I want to I want to go back to with what you just said. Um, I think it's fantastic that you are finding an interest in that middle school group. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think it takes very special people to work with that group. I think it takes very special people to work with elementary. I think it takes very special people to work with high school. Um, and we're not all cookie cutters to work perfectly with all of them. Some of us are, I wish I was, um, (laughs) I I found my niche with the high school group and I found that that's where I had that special connection with, Mm -hmm. I could do it with middle school. It just took a lot more patience on my part. Um, but if you are that person who that is where your passion is and you, you've got a connection to them, those kids need that. I'd need to I'd need to work on my patience as well because I think we all do. Oh yeah. It's just part of life, being patient, knowing yeah. when to say things, when not to say things, and then just, yeah, moving forward with everything. But I think it's also important to note that that teacher that you observed that was able to do that with her class, um, it, it draws back to, um, it calls back to what I, when I talked about with Lee Marshall on a podcast the other week, mm-hmm. that um, she does that with her students. Um, it's the, um, how are you feeling and what is your intention today? Um, and the kids may groan and moan at first, but then they all, it's part of the culture of what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And again, if, if that's, if that's who you are and you can do that and, and they buy into it and they're there with you, it's only going to strengthen what you do with them. Um, and if you're able to, and, and I say, if you're able, we are able to, as theater teachers, we have that flexibility in our curriculum that we can take that 10 to 15 minutes to do that every day if we need to and Mm -hmm. want to. Um, I think it's just, again, it goes back to what, where do you value things as a teacher? And I think establishing those relationships, if that's the way you're going to do it and you can do it, do it. Yeah. Cause it's important to those kids. That's something that I definitely want to add to any classroom. Even if I were, if, if I do decide to teach middle school or high school, I'm not, st- I'm still, I still don't really know if that's some, a path that I want to follow, but it's going to take, it's going to take some research. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have, I have a couple questions for you uh-huh. uh, and then we'll, then we'll wrap up, but I wanted to know what did theater do for you as a student? It was my outlet. It was 
really one of the only things that I connected to and that I was good at. Because, um, I, I, I mean, of course I played sports. My, um, my dad made it pretty particular to you know, get us, get me and my brother involved in that so that we understood, like, how the game worked and how everything worked. But it, it wasn't something that I was interested in that, like, my heart was into. And I think having an outlet to express myself rather than having an outlet to, oh, win the game and all that was... Uh, they were just two completely different things. And the arts helped me really discover who I was and discover how I could express my emotions because if i if i was having a bad day and if i was just coming coming back from classes like oh no i failed a test or something then i knew that i I had something to rely on and that i had something to um to put my time and my energy into and theater has also given me so many opportunities to peer into the lives of other people um so a recent theater experience that I had that like really impacted me was um, was I stops. We were proud to present a presentation. Mm-hmm. I if you don't know that show, give it uh, give it a read. All of you podcast listeners. Oh my goodness! I left that show Sunday afternoon, <laughs> and I was not right for the rest of the evening. I I am still thinking about it. I it I I was sobbing at the end of it, and it's. I, I think that's the the importance of theater, especially in my life, is to is to show and to get us to understand, and the just how just how awful some parts of history and humanity can be, but also what we can do to stop those things and how we can move forward, and that's those are just some things that theater has done specifically in my life to make me a more holistically rounder and more accepting person. Mm. Yeah. My parents pushed and pushed when I was young to do sports. Um, I did T-ball. I did machine pitch. I stood out in the field and picked grass and threw it in the air and spun underneath it as it fell on me. That was me so, as well. Yeah. <laughs> so sports was not a thing for me. Yeah. It was for my other two, my, my two brothers. They're the All-American boys. I was not. I did music. I did theater. Um, and I found this this comic a couple of years ago uh, and I gave it to my dad on Father's Day. I framed it and gave it to him and I have a copy for myself. Um, and I'll, I'll take a picture and post it on social media after we talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has these three dads sitting around a grill uh, with a beer. And one dad says, I'll admit I dreamed of watching my kid play Little League, but on the plus side, there are, are no away games <laughs> in youth theater. Um, so I, yeah, I think it's important that there are these other outlets and, and that we, we do have multiple ways for our kids to be a part of things and to express themselves. I was, I was very fortunate to have such a, um, such a loving and accepting mother. Shout out Julie Blades. Um, <laughs> and she, whenever I saw something that I wanted to do, I was able to do it. Yeah. And I think a lot of education starts with having supportive uh, family members who want you to do these things so that you're not just 
oh, you're, you're a boy, that means you have to do sports. Like, no, that doesn't necessarily mean I'll be interested in that. Like, there, there needs to be other outlets open to everyone. And I, w I am so, so fortunate to have had um, the artistic outlets that I have had throughout my entire, mm -hmm. my entire life. Yeah. Well, my last question for you is, I, is, is because I know that you are busy. <laughs> I know all of my theater ed majors are busy. Yes. You all have the hardest time saying no. <laughs> yeah, you do. You're yeah. involved in everything. So <laughs> I want to know, over the course of this last year that you've been here and you've been involved in so many things and been a part of all the things, what, what things have you found as a student that you can do to help take care of yourself? Not just physically, but emotionally and mentally as well. Sleep. But do I, you do I, it, Jack? <laughs> I, I actually do. I try to make a goal every night where I, to where I get seven or eight hours of sleep. And if I don't, I mean, this is just for me in particular. Mm -hmm. I get cranky. I can't function. I can't do my best work if I don't get enough sleep. And I might be... I might end up skipping a homework assignment. I might end up, you know, having to do it like, you know, earlier in the morning or cram. But because I was able to get that seven or eight hours, I am more, I have more of a capacity to be a human being. And sometimes you have to step away from being a machine in order to be a human. Um, I take, I take baths regularly. I, I try to play video games or, you know, de-stress with people who aren't inside the theater department, because I feel like I see so many of the same people day in and day out where I just need to be like, no, I'm going to focus on my other friends. I'm going to spend time with them instead. Um, I also occasionally do meditation, and I also make sure to reflect on who I am and just take that moment to separate myself from my work because if i don't do that then and then i'm just yeah like like i said i'm just not who i am yeah i think that's about it um i think I, it's imperative to have people who are your friends outside of what we do yeah <laughs> um because if we're only friends with other teachers in our school building we lose the perspective that there's a world outside of that school building that's that's very true yeah. um and a lot of my friends are also other educators mm -hmm. from other um, from other professions. One of my best friends here, uh, his name is Chris, is a history education major, and he's able to um, converse with me about what what he's learning from the history ed side of things, and I'm able to talk to him. Oh, about like oh, this is what we do in theater ed. And I'm also grateful for my friends outside of theater as well because they, they end up coming to my shows. I force them to come to my shows. Um, <laughs> and, um, but it's, it's still great to know that you have that community outside of what you do that supports you in everything that you do. Well, Jack, I have loved talking with you, and I cannot wait to see what you do in the next couple of years. Thanks. I think wherever you land as a teacher – whatever grade level you land with, your students are going to be very lucky. I appreciate that. And I think um, you're very creative and very talented, and you have a giant heart um, that your students are just going to completely benefit from. So thank you for sharing things with us, and um, hopefully um, we may can have you back on before you graduate. And 
or even after you graduate and you can talk to us about what <laughs> where you think about things now yeah maybe <laughs> then i'll be able to contribute a lot more as to as to what i've done with my students um don't, don't you have a section where you ask me advice i i, I have like one piece of advice please give the advice um I, I I share this with you, Jimmy. Um, my my thing, um, my like personal mantra is be real. And there was my my first ever show that I had directed was a student rented in one act, and it was called The Grade Games. And it was very farcical. It was about um, it was about a school district that had no money at all, and all of these students. Um, like came in and were like, Where, "Where's the school?" And she was like, "Well, you have to fight for an A. Only we can only afford to give out one A." And it was it was nonsensical, but it was really funny. And there was a rehearsal that we had where people were just breaking down. Um, someone was having medical issues, and it was just like, "Okay, I can't have a rehearsal today. Let's just sit around and do character work." And it was there. There was a moment where um, one of my actors, Brennan. Um, who I actually saw him in the Allstate show this past year. He was in, um, he was in, in the Heights. Um, it's cool to see how far he's come too. Um, but there was a moment where he took a serious approach to his character and it kind of threw me off guard where he was like, Oh, I'm an orphan. Like both my parents were or died in a car crash. And I was like, that's a cool choice to make. And it made his character like more like authentic. And it, it it just that that was where I kind of realized where it was. If you are who you are in everything that you do, then you will have the best experience with your life. And so, whenever I direct shows or whenever I'm, you know, in that position where I can give advice, I say be real, because if you don't know how to be real or be authentic then you um then you won't have the ba- the best time the the closest friends um and um the most benefit out of whatever academic situation that you are going through and that's what i have to share i like it thank you <laughs> thank you well jack thank you so much for talking with me today and um i i know i will see you more but yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I know you're preparing to, to go to the, the camp for the summer, so um, enjoy the rest of your semester and, and mm-hmm. hope you get through it in one piece. And yeah, thank we'll you. See you on the other side. Thank you, Dr. Christman. <laughs> oh, goodness. Not that I am playing favorites, but I do think that has been one of my most enjoyable podcasts. Um, I have talked to some great teachers out there, some great people who are doing amazing things in the field and who have had legacies in their past. But it's it's really exciting for me to hear uh, my students excited about what they're doing and uh, taking what we do in my classes and they're putting it into practice in the things that we do with our program. So Jack, it was wonderful talking with you. I look forward to talking to more of my students and I'm looking forward to talking to more teachers out there as well as theater ed professors that are out there who are looking to, to talk with me. You can always find our transcripts and the archives of all of our episodes on the website, www.thedtalks.com. Um, you can find 
the podcast on any of your favorite podcast providers. Uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts on iTunes, Google Podcasts on Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, AnyPod, TuneIn, and YouTube. So please check out all of those things. Subscribe to us. Rate us. Give us some stars. Review us. Give us some feedback, what you like, what we can do better, as well as share the podcast with those teachers, those theater ed majors, and those other people in your life who you think could really benefit and enjoy what we're doing here on the show. Thank you again for joining us. You can always reach me on email again at fedtalkspodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at Theater Ed Talks, on Tumblr at fedtalks.tumblr.com. You can find us on Facebook at Fed Talks and on Instagram at Fed Talks Podcast. Thank you again to Joel Hamlin and Joshua Schusterman for the use of your original song, Magnetize, on the program. Uh, enjoying the music, and I love what you guys are doing, so thank you for sharing with us. And thank you for listening. I hope you are out there like me you have well i've actually been finishing up my semester but i know some of you teachers still have several weeks to go and uh, it's that last big push of the year so keep your heads up keep working keep pressing on keep making the difference in those lives of those students and keep tuning in thank you so much have a great week